Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this opportunity to hear you. We give you thanks for this opportunity to hear your word. God, guide us um, that we may hear you for real and uh, say what you need us to say. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome once again uh, to another fun-filled edition of Scripture Talk, our podcast where we talk about the Scripture of the week. Um, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever is Go Brandy. This is Brandy Dudley. Good evening, y'all. Go Scott. Pastor Scott Ketchah, glad to be with y'all. And go Stacy. I'm Willy Wonka, and I got a golden ticket for you. Look, Stacy. At some point, we're gonna have to like in my next round of capital expenditures. Uh, I am gonna have to buy you some lighting. Like this is getting there's a like a there's like a creepy I you know murder. It's house totally vibe. like he's in the witness protection program or something. Yeah. Hello, I am on this podcast. I am in the witness <laughs> protection program. The identity has been protected. Like. It like on certain shots, all I can see are your eyes and the outline of your headphones. Like it's really kind of unsettling, uh, and that yeah, especially when you do that. Uh, so, for those of you who can't see Stacy at the moment, he is uh, hiding behind his microphone in a really creepy fashion. Um, so it's Halloween, you know. Uh huh. We're gonna we're, and I have the solution for this. I'm buying you some studio lighting. Um, Brandy, like we need to, we need to tell your camera to not be quite as racist as it is, but we need Stacy needs lighting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's no, he didn't. No, he yeah, didn't. It, it is, it is though. Like we, like we keep running into this. Like we had a camera that was racist against me um, in this studio that it like made me look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Um, anyways, um, production like. Production when you don't quite have the budget for your ambitions is always an adventure. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking of absolutely nothing at all, this is indeed Scripture Talk, where we talk about Scripture um, and uh, many other things. Um, if you missed the pre-show, I told the story of why I have a file uh, with the Department of Homeland Security. Um, so that's fun. Um, our scripture today has nothing to do with any of that. It is Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have their place of honor at banquets and the best seat in the synagogues, and to greet with re- and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to ca- and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you, nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Uh, this is... Of course, uh, Jesus has moments like this a lot, 
where we, we had in our previous series, we, we call it the upside down kingdom. And in some ways, this is Jesus once again flipping things upside down. It is particularly in Ma- particularly something that Matthew's gospel highlights is all the times Jesus takes what you expect and flips it on its head. People who, are, you know, throughout history, people who are religious teachers expect some sort of, you know, presence, grandeur. They are the human representative of the divine. And so, you know, you get fancy breastplates and you get fancy robes and you get fancy phylacteries and you get fancy whatevers. And Jesus, once again, flips on the head of like, no, your job is not to be the honored teacher. Your job is to point people in the direction of the true teacher. And that's it. You are not to make a big deal of yourself. You are to point yourself in the direction of the thing that is a big deal and stop there. And the interesting aspect of this is he's addressing the people. And you know, presumably, there are um, there are the teachers and the leaders he's talking about there listening. Yeah. But he's not talking to them. He's just talking about them directly to the people. So, you know, they're just kind of standing there going, what's wrong with my phalanges? You know, uh, which, you know, those are those little boxes that they would yep. put the uh, scriptures in and tie onto them. And, and so to appear more spiritual, uh, apparently they would make their boxes larger than the rabbi down the street and stuff. And so that, huh. that in of itself is somewhat amusing to realize that that's what they were doing. And, oh, I'll be cooler. I'll make the little tassels a little longer and my little box a little bit bigger. And you wonder what they're yeah, anyway. I mean, so I see that sometimes when I have to go to preachers conferences of like, but, but preachers do it with cross size, right? Like (laughs) there's like a real, like, especially for like formal occasions, there's like a real aggressive, like how big is the cross that you are wearing into worship? And at some point they start to look impractically large. Um, Like this is little Wayne and I'm wearing a clock, but that clock is a cross, right? Like it is just like, and, and I, and, you know, I'm like, yes, I wear a cross. I have, you know, my, yo, my yo, small yo, gold, yo. I, my, my small gold confirmation cross that I wear. So yes, I, I, I too wear a cross. But like sometimes I go to preachers conference, like or like a, how elaborate is? There's also like a competition of how elaborate is the stitching on your robes? Do you yes. have a logo? Do you have a thing? Like you know, this is not. <laughs> This is not just a rabbis of old problem necessarily. Uh, this mm-hmm. also falls, you know, Christian pastors fall into this. But yeah, just the, like like the aggressive cross size competition. It's just like, geez, dude, how that's huge. So, so I dare you to go to the next preachers conference and just walk in there with your robes in here and go, yeah, boy. I, how about I make a cross out of clocks and see yes. if anyone gets the yeah. joke. No one will, but let's see if Jesus Christ! What? Okay! Right, like... Start looking to see if there's a correlation between shortest pastor and largest clock. Yeah. uh I mean, cross. Yeah. And, uh... uh, (laughs) But... It's just... Yeah. He's compensating for something. Now, though... Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, though, getting back to the scripture, even though he's definitely (laughs) tossing shade, talking about them in front of him... It's interesting that he he tells them to still respect the office. You know, the yeah. things that they tell you to do, they're right. They should be doing, but don't act the way they're doing because they're total hypocrites. Yeah, they're not practicing what they're preaching. 
Right. And and not only are they not practicing with the preaching, they are themselves benefiting, right? They are passing, and, and, and uh, Jesus used a really good image, right? They are passing the heavy burdens down onto the people. Because you got to realize that it wasn't, particularly for um, less so the Pharisees who are separate, and we'll talk about the Pharisees in a second, but certainly talking about the scribes, those the Sadducees, those who are attached to the temple hierarchy. Like that was a really lucrative position. You ate well because you ate from the meat sacrifice handed over to God um, for sacrifice, right? So you ate well. There was this whole system set up for the people who were often very poor to give you of what little they had so that you yourself could live comfortably. And so that's part of like the heavy burden that is being borne, particularly that the scribes are passing on to very poor people was an actual real economic burden. The other side of this is the Pharisees. The Pharisees are a separate thing. Pharisees not attached to the temple and in some ways are very critical of the scribes. When we often, and Jesus, particularly in Matthew's gospel, does this where you link the scribes and the Pharisees. They actually deeply disliked each other. Never forget this. That like the scribes and the Pharisees themselves are at loggerheads. They just they both disagree. Jesus just disagrees with both of them. What the Pharisees passed on to people was an expectation of like legal like following the law perfectly that's the burden that the pharisees do is like no you've got to live this perfectly and if you don't oh there's going to be hell to pay if you don't like that's how we're going to end up in exile and so both of them whether it is an economic or a spiritual one take this like impossibly heavy thing and put it on the backs of people unlikely to be able to bear it so it's like trickle down spiritual economics in a bad way no, it's triple. No, so it's actually the opposite, right? It's trickle up. This is trickle yeah. up economics, right? This is the theory behind trickle down is that the pie gets bigger for everybody. This is saying my pie is going to be big because I have made your pie small. Uh, well, it was Reaganomics. Yeah. No, so it's the opposite, right? The opposite. Theoretically, uh-huh. this is, you know, this is not a, this is not the podcast where I talk about political economics. Um, but the theory behind Reaganomics is everyone's pie gets bigger. This is saying, I want a big pie, and I'm going to make you give me a big pie, and I'm not going to grow your pie at all. But that's where Reaganomics failed was like it, – Oh, it was, that yeah. – maybe. That is maybe. certainly hotly we're, we're debated. Gonna... Um, I mean this is our last podcast anyway. before – this is not our last – yeah. This is not our last podcast. This is our last sermon before the election. Oh. Um, we'll have a podcast yeah. the day the, the day before. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. So that'll be interesting. But but here, what's going on is Jesus telling the people, "Hey, what they say to do, they're right. But the way uh-huh. you see them go about doing it, uh-huh. don't don't look to them. Don't and don't aspire to be great teachers." <clears throat> Don't aspire to be honored in that way. And that's one of the things I think that can sometimes be taken out of context if you don't look at other places. You know, you'd go, oh, so are we not to call anybody teacher or, or, or father? What about our dads? It's like, well, no, you see later on, Paul. Yeah, you see, you see Paul hmm. referring to himself as a father. Jesus himself said he was a rabbi. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's talking about to the extent that they do it just to save face to look a certain way, to have a particular title so that they can say, hey, look at me. I am the teacher of teachers, and I have the the, the cooler spirituality. And it's the larger it's like phylactery. You said. Yeah, the larger yeah. phylactery. The, 
the oh, 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 the 90 foot cross out on the side yeah. of the highway <laughs> the, uh, the private jet it, that, that's what's going on uh here in their day and he's just saying you're so missing the point so they're like tv evangelists with robes and stuff tassels and stuff yeah mm-hmm. the way yeah and, and this is where like you know, obviously Jesus is very prophetic, but here is a particular place where Jesus becomes, to me, very prophetic. Because here is a place where you, where Jesus sees something clearly about humanity that we keep doing. We keep doing this, where we, we have a hard time, apparently as a species, disassociating... Um, the like people who work directly for God and do God's work on earth and God in God's self, right? The preacher is not themselves God. You don't have to treat them like that. We just work more directly for God than most people, which, you know, look, I like for people to like me and I like for people to respect me, but I'd like people to respect me because I am a person deserving of respect, not because I hold some office that says I must be respected, which great, because I'm not going to dress like I have that office. I'm not going to look like we, we ran into this this weekend. We were at the pumpkin patch. Um, and, uh, we were talking to some lady, um, and I gave her my business card and she looked at it and went, you're the nice version of you're the pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I've heard every tone of this and this lady was absolutely doing the nice version of this, of like just surprised because admittedly I don't look like a pastor. And on that, in that version of that, I almost take it as a compliment because what it means to me is like. I have my faults, and sometimes I want to, you know, I probably, I deeply dislike being disrespected, but it's not because of my office, it's just because I'm a punk kid, and I like, you know, <laughs> I want people to respect me, darn it. Um, but that was the nice version, I take it as a compliment, I'm like, oh, I have not given so into the trappings uh, that people look at me and go, oh, he must be a pastor. Because the, what does that mean? That means I'm wearing the 90-foot cross, um, or I have gotten a better, hair, fancier haircut, um, or whatever. I mean, I think I was wearing a leather jacket, a t-shirt, um, and Chuck Taylor. So certainly, whatever it looked like, it did not look like a pastor. Right. It's, it was kind of like it was kind of like the lady was kind of, she was taken aback, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, don't let the cover of the book fool you. You know, it, it, he, 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 you know, Trey looks like a, a punk kid. Like he just said, sure. you know, looks like, punk, but, but, but until you dig into that book and, and really see Trey, what he is, you know, you, but if you notice, if I was like, if you notice that Trey doesn't wear a, a collar every day, because nope. that right there, if they didn't know him, if they saw the collar, they would say, oh, that's the pastor right there. So right. th- these these rabbis and these priests and these uh, Pharisees, they wear these long robes, and people say, oh, there's the, the priest right there, when you don't really need all of that. Just well, be you, so you know. Right. So what's interesting about the collar specifically, so theory, actually, this has wandered perhaps a little bit, but the theory behind why priests, Catholic priests, dress the way they do is specifically because of this scripture, right? It is theoretically a humble uniform that they're not wearing Armani and Gucci. They're not wearing yeah. fancy clothes. They're wearing a delib- they are deliberately wearing a humble outfit. Now, we then, like anything, because we're humans and we kind of suck sometimes, we're garbage fires, right? Um, 
is like we take that and we kind of ruin it. But theoretically, the purpose behind a monk's habit um, or a priest's a priest's garb or a Jesuit's you know robes is was deliberately to dress in a humble fashion, right? You know, the mm-hmm. Pope, the most power, the daily dress of the Pope, not when they're doing ceremonial things, but the everyday dress is he just gets to wear a white hat versus a versus a black hat or a red hat, right? So theoretically, this is them looking at this passage and trying to take it seriously. Now, again, as I've said, um, we have then taken it, and because no, because of how people dress now, now the priest robes, sta- priest garb stands out in a certain kind of way that then, of course, deliberately identifies you. Like to become, in some ways, it can, particularly in a context in a denomination where you don't have to wear it, uh, like ours, uh, you can then end up doing the exact thing you're trying not to do. Right. But but I, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, what also matters too is not what you're wearing, but and Trey does this 99% of the time is he carries himself like a pastor. He carries himself like a Christian man. And that's what Jesus Christ did was he carried himself as. Well, or, or, or certainly what Jesus is, and, and you know, I, I pray I live up to it, but like, uh, what Jesus is saying is, okay, you're going to be a religious leader. That's good. Lord knows we need we need them, and Jesus was one, and he like commissioned other people to be them, like Peter, right? Like we need people to lead the flock, right? This is not a this is not a stance saying. You know, we don't need rabbis, we don't need teachers, we don't need whatever. We need them. But if you're going to do it, actually look, right? right? And don't pass on to the people a burden that you yourself are not willing to bear. And so that's yeah. why, for instance, like pastors are called to be involved financially, to give financially to their congregation. That may seem weirdly circular, right? <laughs> because like I could just cut my pay by that amount or whatever. But no, it <laughs> is part of... That if I'm going to stand up there, and I haven't always been perfect in this regard, and I probably don't give enough even still. Um, if I'm going to stand up there and say, hey, I need your money, right? We need, you know, this church needs your money. This, what God has called this place to do deserves your money. Um, I got to be, I got to have my skin in the game too. And one of, the, actually, one of the things they teach you in church administration, which I think is a good measuring stick, is don't appoint someone to be a leader who is not financially involved in the life of the congregation now this is according to their 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 means right it's okay if you know if you are you know of limited means and you only give a very little you can still be a leader because you are giving out of what you've got um so it's not about necessarily about amount they give but that a leader in the church whether a ordained leader or a you know a, a lay leader um should be financially involved um and if they're not that shows that they are at, because when you're a leader, you're making decisions with the money of the church. Some of that money should be your money. All right. Or you're, sh- or you're passing on a burden that you yourself are not willing to bear. Right. Uh, which is, you know, but part of what the scribes are doing. Don't, don't tell Crenshaw Dollar that because he oh, don't operate like that. <laughs> well, and again, this is where, this is where it goes, where it's not just rabbis and scribes that go astray on this. This is where another one of those places where Christianity struggles at times and gets away from it 
when it becomes, you know, and, and I, I know I am particularly critical of the prosperity gospel. I'm sorry. But what the prosperity gospel often does is take a lot of money from real poor folks um, and lead to pastors with BMWs and $1,000 suits and, and G650 Learjets, right? Like, yeah. come on. Or, you know, televangelists with perfect hair and dimples. That's a come on, we gotta from. have a... I gotta have a G650 though, man. Come on. I mean, look, I if one showed up in our parking lot, I wouldn't say no to it. I would probably sell it and then use the twenty million dollars to do a thousand other things. I mean, you right. give a G650. I'll tell you, it's not going to stay a G650. It's going to become somebody else's G650 and my twenty million dollars. That's right. Exactly. Imagine how many pumpkins we could give with that. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Geez, yeah. You know, or, you know, <laughs> make that pumpkin patch. Yeah. Shoot. I could build every building we need and still have $18 million to, oh. I don't know, build a homeless, build a homeless shelter. It would be the only one in Anderson, only true homeless yeah. shelter in Anderson that County. That is something and we endow- really need in this. And then yes. endow that homeless shelter for years to operate. Um, and then we'd still have fifteen million dollars left. I mean, so, can't imagine what we could do with the money that a G six fifty costs. I'm, so check know. this out. Um, speaking of pumpkins, um, we got those pumpkins right on time because I just got a message a few minutes ago from my uh, son in Albuquerque, and it's snowing really hard right, there. Right. You know, good. We got it all. It all worked out. Yeah. Um, but this is like you, but. Like what we, some of what we keep seeing as we talk about the scripture is how easy that trap is to fall into, yeah. right? Every Creeflo dollar, and I know I call out Creeflo, we call out Creeflo a lot, but like, yo, Creeflo set himself up for it. I am sorry. Um, right, he claims Creeflo. his actual name is Creeflo Dollar. Ain't no one named Creeflo Dollar. But like, you see how because he's got the same gospel we do. He's got Matthew twenty three, and yet. We like we take it some places, right? And the, you know, medi- another one of my favorite targets, the medi- medieval Catholic Church, not necessarily the modern one. Like, you know, they go to Saint Peter's Basilica and think that maybe they hadn't passed on a heavy burden to some people that couldn't bear it, like the serfs of the Middle Ages. You know, like we fall into this trap a lot because some of it is you have to shoot the gap between wanting to give God the best stuff possible and ending up with religious leaders living a life of luxury, right? And like, Mm -hmm. that gap is perhaps narrower than you think. Because you start, like, here's the logic. Maybe, I okay, I can't just necessarily justify Project C650, but let's do the logic of St. Peter's Basilica circa 1600, okay? Um... We really love God. Yes, we really... Posit one. We really love God. Posit two. God should have the best stuff possible. Anyone Anyone disagree with me yet? No. Okay. We love so God. Far, you're good. Yeah. God should have the best stuff possible. Posit mm-hmm. three. It's the Renaissance. Michelangelo et al. Make the best stuff. Anyone doubt me yet? Okay. Mm. That'll be cool. Okay. Here's and so here's the knife though. Here's the knife turn. Therefore, God should have some of Michelangelo's stuff. And that's how you get St. Peter's Basilica. Is that four step thought process? Well see Where and do then, they go- I was about to say, and then if they're actually looking at scripture and they're looking at how the temple was built, 
it's easier to make that jump of, well, we're supposed to have this grandiose building, but they're missing how Jesus was kind of turning things away from that and into the heart of people. Well, what is it? It's the, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Mm-hmm. You worship yeah. God in a mountain. They worship God in a temple. Soon you'll worship God in spirit and in truth, right? Like, I'm yeah. misquoting that scripture, but I got the gist. Um, I don't have Scott or Brandy's ability at recall on that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've got the gist, right? I'm not a, I'm not a million miles off. Um, yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it. <laughs> but, so you follow me, right? It's like, or like, you know, I was, the, you know, this this church in Atlanta, Georgia that I, I bring up often that has a $330,000 chandelier. It's that same thing, right? God, we love God. We want God to have, God deserves our best. Um, the people who make the best chandeliers are in, uh, in Italy. Therefore, God needs an Italian chandelier. What? But steps one, two, and three, we can all agree to. It's that fourth step. You know, it, because they, they, they abuse that, the, the, the church abused that in the, getting the people to pay into the building of the church because they had indulgences they sold. Like, uh-huh. if you want to buy your soul out of hell, here, mm-hmm. here's some money for that. Buy oh, your way into heaven, there's some money in for that. Yeah. Sure. That's abuse. I'm, I'm going to go really off and act fun- a fool this weekend. I need to indulge. So give me my, my uh, pre-Hail Marys. Yeah, my, my, let me prepay for that, you know. Yeah. It's basically put your sin on layaway, right? Like, uh, it is. Yeah. And, like, I, I'll yeah. it's a fun... Let's see Scientology do that. Mm-hmm. Well, but, like, yeah, okay. So, like, Scientology is a pyramid scheme. But, like, Scientology is a pyramid scheme. But in some ways, my job is not to call Scientology to account. My job is to remind Christians to not look like that, right? And, you know. And, I was just going to say, you know, us mentioning indulgences is kind of appropriate since 31st is, you know, Reformation Day. It is? And I'll, sure uh, is. Uh, and then I'll say it. <laughs> and I was just going to mention, you know, it, it isn't just in the money either. Uh, modern day, I, I, I think having been on a lot of praise and worship teams, it's easy for praise and worship teams to have that, that balance of giving all into worship uh-huh. and then becoming performance. Right. It, it's well, it, it, and, like, I think we've been talking about edge cases because they're funny, right? Like, obviously, Crefo dollar is a problem. And obviously, yeah. the selling of indulgences is a problem. But that's an easy target. Where it gets trickier is what is the actual balance between nice, functional, and honoring God and tipping over into this other thing where it's look at me, look at me, look at me, right? Yeah. The original right. purpose behind a steeple on a church, Right that now is some sort of grandiose gesture. It started out as, well, how else are people going to know where the church is from very far away when they're walking? How do they get to the church when they can't can't say, okay, Google, I need to go to church today. Where should I go? Right? Like it was really useful, but then it became a competition for who can have the tallest steeple or (laughs) and bells. Yeah. And, And bells are the same way. In in olden days where, you know, no one had clocks, like, how do you know what time the service is going to start? Well, you hear the bell ring. Um, and that's a great way to communicate in mass. But then it came became who can have the biggest bells um, yeah. to go along with their biggest <laughs> steeple. Steeple. <laughs> but, let's, but let's not forget this, and I forget what scripture it is, but I remember the, the lesson. Um, 
even if um, that's going on, you know, like the, the whole, you know, big church thing and all that and all that, at least God's word is still being. Sure. Right. Well, um, and, and, and Jesus uh, brings that up, right? At no point does he say what these people who have taken it too far, what these people are saying is wrong or bad. It's that they're just not practicing what they preach. And so it's a call to account that we, we who claim to preach, oh, and, and we who hold accountable those who preach, which kind of fills certainly everyone on this podcast, right? Everyone on this podcast is yep. either a preacher um, or one who has some responsibility to hold a preacher accountable um, or hold a church accountable. Um, should, it should match. What we yeah. preach and how we live should match. And we need to find a way through that gap of honoring God with our best, but having that be actually what God wants and calls upon us to do, and not just ever larger steeples, chandeliers, stained glass windows, robes, phylacteries, crosses, giant cross, like whatever, right? Um, but there's that balance. Does that mean never put a cross in your sanctuary? Well, clearly I don't think that. I just bought one and had one put in, right? It's like... So some of that is, so the atmosphere feels worshipful. And I'll, you know, I've spent untold money on our sound system, right? So, like, we spend money on stuff. Like, that isn't just, that isn't just helping people with rent and feeding the homeless, right? We do that too. Um, so there, this isn't actually black or white. It is, it is shooting a gap that make, and, and so some of it is, like, staying true to God and God's purpose for our finances and let that be the discerning factor, not I just want the nice stuff. Or I want to be respected for me, not I want this to be a good place for people to find God. Because, you know. At the same time, you don't have to have all the whistles and bells to serve God. You don't have to have the title to serve God. Amen. You have to have the heart to yeah. serve God and the willingness to do it. We don't, if he, if he knows we don't have a steeple, we don't have a church bell, and we don't have a stained glass window, but we do have the Spirit of God in right. the church, and that's what keeps us going. Well, and some right. of the most radical ministry that's happening in the Christian world right now is happening under random trees in random villages in Africa and South America, right? Where, where a lot of the, mm -hmm. like, new birth, new life, you know, soul-saving ministry is happening with churches that don't even aren't even called churches yet that aren't even don't have buildings or, or if they do it's like a shack someone threw together right. and someone else built some pews and they're there i mean i saw i mean i've seen these churches all over the world all over mm -hmm. the developing world where it's just like hey we built a random hut and we put some wood planks in it and that's the church and souls are being saved there um and and, and they don't look anything like Project G650. They don't look anything like, they don't even know what $330,000 looks like. None of them will make that in their lifetime. Uh, but they're saving souls under trees, right? Yeah. Like, you know. It, it, well, you know, like that, it says, where two or more are gathered more together in my exactly. name, I'm there in yeah. their midst, not where the steeple is or the sound system or whatever. That's right. Right. Okay. Amen. And, and, and again, right. like, I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as, as many Maybe mine isn't grandeur, but like I want, I want the church to function. Um, I want to make sure we can pay our bills, and, and I get real worried about that. And the truth is, we could do what we're actually supposed to do without all of that. It's just what is God calling us to have, um, and are we using it for the purpose that God set for us? 
Um, that's probably as good a place as any uh, to end um, our show this evening. I thank you all so much uh, for joining us. If you have feedback, uh, please, please uh, post a comment here on uh, Facebook, um, over on our YouTube channel where, there's, where, where this gets uploaded. You can hit us up on our website, uh, uh, excuse me, palestinegrace.com uh, slash video. You can email us, uh, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. If you're looking for an audio-only version of this show, just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice, and we will be back next week. Um, on election night eve um, with another episode Um, so with that go in peace to love and serve the lord and remember fear not stay well god is with us whoops wrong song there we go just do a super cut of every time i mess that transition up